Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Dragoncast. Home of House of the Dragon. Gather your small council, send out your ravens and call in your bannermen. I'm Hand of the King Jamie East, here to guide you through the highly anticipated return to Westeros. Hello everybody and welcome to Dragoncast, home of House of the Dragon. I'm your host and maester of ceremonies, Jamie East. Joining me this week for our regular roundup of Hot D action. Hey, what? It's not caught on yet. I'm surprised at that. Uh, are, as always, journalist, writer and amputated fingers from the hand of the king, Chris Mandel. Hello. <laughs> and this week's very special guest, Radio 1 DJ, television presenter, games inventor and television uh, inventor as well now. It's uh, House of the Dragon fan, me old mucker, Mr. Matt Edmondson. How are you, Matt? I'm good, thank you. You know, spinning all the plates all the time, all the time. But delighted to get to chat about this show with you guys. Amazing, absolutely. We can't wait. Now, before we get stuck into the latest helping of Hot Tea, here's your weekly reminder to press all the relevant buttons, you know the ones, ring all the available bells, you can be notified when every new episode of Dragoncast drops. If you're not already subscribed to the channel, you can do that in, if you're watching this in YouTube, I think it's down there somewhere, or if you're listening to this on your Spotify or Apples or your Amazons or whatever, just hit the follow button. Right, on with the show. Goodness me, the old adage is true. There ain't no wedding like a Westerosi wedding. That was the that was draft two of um, S Club Party, I think. <laughs> Chris, initial thoughts. It it did not fuck about. Yeah. Well, at first I thought, oh, this wedding's going quite well because every time someone kicks off and there was going to be a fight, it sort of calmed down and they everyone settled their differences. And then, yeah, the guy that we just met this episode, I think his name was actually Joffrey just got his head smashed in and it all went wrong and it was really violent and really disgusting. And my new hat that I bought for the occasion has been ruined and <laughs> got lost in the melee. It felt, it felt really like good to be back because yeah, Game of Thrones does a good wedding. House of the Dragon's been quite tepid. It's been quite, um, yeah, gentle, lots of chatting about, you know, trade union disputes and that sort of thing. Gentle. House of the Dragon has been. It's been lots of people talking around, you know, sitting around a table. But this was like... Did you see that birth that took place? <laughs> I hid behind a cushion during most of that. To be Gentle. <laughs> it wasn't like Miss Marple, was it? It was not. It no, was not. No. What, about, what about you, Matt? What was your, what was your takeaway? You're, you're, you know, you've, you're a big fan of Thrones and, and House of the Dragon. And how are you finding the series? I mean, I'm finding it great. It is a different pace, I think, to Game of Thrones. And I guess in a similar way to Better Call Saul, it can kind of have a... Uh, 
it can kind of uh, play with the pace a bit because we're already so invested. We already know that world. There's lots of exposition that's been done. And so they can get into the kind of the deeper stuff and they can set up these intricate plot lines. And I think a lot of the battle or the barrier to entry for a Game of Thrones or a House of Dragon is sort of working out there's a thousand characters. They've all got names that sound really similar to each other. And there's all of these interconnected dynasties that you have to kind of learn about. And actually, we've, we've got a lot of that out of the way now with, with Game of Thrones. And so they can go to that next deeper level. And I'm really enjoying it. I like all the kind of um, the political manoeuvrings because obviously the whole, like the, the pomp and ceremony around the show and the kind of headline grabbing stuff is, oh, it's mega violent. There's ridiculous uh, action sequences, but which by the way, Chris, I don't know if you watched last week's episode, we did see some mega violence and a <laughs> massive fight that took place. What more do you I'm want? just desensitised it at this point. <laughs> That's the thing. He wants more blood, more gold. <laughs> I think that it's quite nice that it has a bit more room to breathe and that these seeds are getting planted that are slowly now coming into bloom the kind of the slow degeneration of the king's been really interesting this the, the very subtle rise of the queen consort i just think uh i just think they're playing a blind because it's it's hooked me in but it's not having to move at a million miles an hour can i just say uh i don't know about anybody else i've never heard the word consort as much in my life over the past two weeks <laughs> as, as i have as i have now um you're right matt i think one thing that has been really i guess fun this time around with with game of thrones is we we were told like the the opening scene of the of the first episode of game of thrones told us that winter was coming and that that was the thing that we all needed to to know about with house of the dragon unless you're unless you've read the books and 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 you're one of those people love your book people you've no idea really where the where the jeopardy is going to come from you know you know that there's a there's a succession kind of issue but you but in terms of like you know what we've seen here the high towers and and the valarians and 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 all of that kind of stuff it's only now, I think, that we've started to get a feeling for where the real danger is going to come from. Let's get back to the start of the episode because, you know, it did have a pretty terrific climax. Uh, but it, it began with the dissolving of, a, of another wedding, which was, uh, which we saw, we saw Damon visiting, I, you know what, I can't even remember her name. She was that. Uh, her, her name is Rhea Royce. Rhea Royce, how can I not forget her? Just rolls off the tongue. Well, love don't live there anymore. She's the Rolls Royce of Westeros. (laughs) Yeah. It's a a really interesting use of the word dissolving there, Jamie, because I'm not sure that that's necessarily how how it would be described on her death. Maybe not, maybe not. But Matt Smith didn't say anything in this episode until the cousin of Rhea Royce uh, spoke to him like in the last scene of the thing. All the previous scenes, this entire scene at the beginning didn't say a word. His entrance into the into the wedding didn't say a word, and that comes off the back of the previous episode that we saw him in, where he killed the uh, the old crab your man, feeder. the crab feeder, yeah, crab guy, where he didn't say a word in the entire episode. He, I mean, in terms of in terms of pound per word, he's on a fortune. Mm. He's doing very well. What a joy it must be as an actor to get that script. <laughs> I know it's just like. <laughs> There's a lot of acting with my eyes here. Yeah, like, let's have, have I got any lines? Any no, I'm, yeah, I'm in it, but uh, yeah, nothing to learn. Fantastic. I can stay up late. Fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. What do we think that whole 
subplot is there, Matt, where he's he's clearly just kind of doing a land grab, isn't he, for for the for the inheritance of um, what was the name of the the land there? Runestone. Runestone. I think isn't that something out of Dragon Ball Z as well? <laughs> it's near the it's near the Eerie, which is the you know where. Catelyn Stark's sister lived in that giant tower. Ah, the moon sort of, with the moon door. Yeah, it's in ah. that. It's in that neighborhood. It's in that um, in the Vale. In the Vale. Okay. Oh yes, lovely part of Westeros. Yeah. Lots of bird song that we heard yeah. before the. Yeah, it looks great, doesn't it? What do we think he's doing there? Is he just looking for a? Is he just looking for a second home? Just looking to well, kind of I, like. I, from what I understood from the a few episodes ago, they sort of because he was like the spare, like he wasn't going to get on the throne. They just marry him off to someone sort of politically, and when he was flirting with his niece in episode four he was like look you know i've got a wife never had sex with her don't like her don't talk to her but you know we had to do that to like keep the peace and i think in this episode he was like do you know what i don't want to be married to her anymore so i'm just gonna hit her in the head with a big rock but surely it's more than i don't want to right it's not a uh it's not a desire thing it is there's some strategy going on and actually in terms of the double crossing plotting all the stuff that we know and love about game of thrones it feels like it's back but in a slightly more subtle way because no one's necessarily laying their cards out on the table and because we've not really seen him plotting or in dialogue with anyone else we are i think having to project onto him what is he doing and i think as ever in a show like this everyone's playing 3d chess and trying to outmaneuver each other but he's this is more than i think him needing resources and i think it's more than him being bored with his wife i think it is a uh, an extreme way to end a marriage <laughs> that may be the first <laughs> I to don't say. recommend it yeah and i think that he's the most intriguing character for me because because I can't really see what his strategy is. It feels like he's got lots of paths that he could go down. And and ultimately, there, there have been opportunities for him to cross the king. There have been opportunities for him to be violent. And we know that extreme violence and extreme risk-taking are in his nature. And so in every other aspect of everything else he does, it seems like he just gets what he wants by force, by taking it, by being conniving, by being duplicitous. We know that he's quite immoral. You know, he's gone onto the the the, the crab area and uh, suggested that he's going to be, uh, you know, waving the white flag and then turn that on its head and use that in a very, very bloody defeat. And And it's interesting and foreboding that he hasn't yet done anything in terms of grabbing at the throne. He's not made a play yet, has he? Yeah, it feels like he's sort of holding back a little bit. And I thought that that culmination, without wanting to jump too far ahead, he says jumping quite far ahead, that culmination of him being in that kind of um, hustle and bustle at the end. And the last shot you see of him is with his hand on Renera's face. And you think, oh my goodness, has he done the thing that maybe it's, been foreshadowing and then really interesting that he's kind of nowhere to be seen once the dust settles that's true he just disappeared off the face of the earth didn't he there were so many parallels throughout the episode weren't there there were we had Kristen saying to Ren, I mean, poor Renera doesn't know. She, she's gone from not knowing who to marry to having like th- three blokes kind of uh, throw themselves at it. So Kristen mirrored Damon, but in a very different way. Both of them saying, let's get out of this town. Let's get on a dragon and fly away into the sunset. Although Kristen's kind of tempting on a boat full of oranges and cinnamon. I mean, not really. I mean, it sounds more like a Christmas market, but um, 
not 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 <laughs> something that really kind of enticed her. Whereas Damon's was a bit more kind of like, come on, love, you know you want me. <laughs> and then poor poor Joffrey uh, with with Kristen as well. There was a lot of there was a lot of um, conversations about about doing things for on the face of it rather than doing things because you mean it. I really like the walk along the beach between Rhaenyra and and Lainor where the metaphors were dripping. <laughs> uh, I, I I felt really I felt quite sad about what happened at the end because it kind of seemed as though. You know, to quote Sid Owen's great reggae cover of the of the late nineties, they had a good thing going. You know, they um, it, it just a sounded real like good thing going. it sounded like the perfect arrangement. You know, if only Kristen was was happy. Uh, he used the word whore. I was just going to say side piece. Mm. Uh, if only we, he was happy with that, it kind of seemed mm. as though it could have been it could have been good, right? Yeah, it feels like in a situation with royals uh, in this in the world of Westeros. They are going to have to marry politically, but actually, if you can have that conversation, I mean, I think people could learn a lot about communication from, uh, you know, from that stroll on the beach. Honest communication, it's fantastic. Yeah. If those two were married at first sight, it'd be an absolute <laughs> dream. We never quite learned which was which was which. Was goose was goose the penis and duck the vagina? I, I wasn't quite sure. I didn't quite never quite work that out. Rhaenyra but- said goose was too greasy. For her. So read into that what you will. <laughs> okay, fine. Lovely. There you go. Lovely little thought. She mm. needs to she needs to rinse it with boiling water mm. before putting it in the oven. That's how you get a crackling good skin on do? a vagina. On a goose, <laughs> rather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spicy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, God. Dear. I um, I was gonna say, I just think that arrangement, you're right, it would have been absolutely fantastic. And it and in many senses, it's great. You've got a ready-made dinner party, haven't you? You've got uh, your official marriage and then you've got, you know, your side pieces. Fantastic, lovely. You're never gonna be bored on a dinner day out. Or was a, an extra couple to play a board game with. Yep. Um, it could have been absolutely dreamy. Problem is Kristen's got too much goddamn honour mm. about him. These Queens and Kings guards, ridiculous. I found Kristen, uh, I think, you know, obviously a very important plot point for this episode. He, he really annoyed me mm. uh, in this episode. It was a bit like, I don't know, I think, and I've, I've read a few comments about the episode online this morning about what people, what, what viewers' thoughts were. I don't know how, again, time's quite difficult to get a grasp on in, in at the moment because it's jumping ahead so much. There were people going, yeah, and he fucked her once. What's he getting all, what's he getting all lovey-dovey about? I suspect, I think it's something that's been on, I think it's been an ongoing affair, hasn't it? On the way to meet the House Valerian, he was like, oh, I've been like keen on you for years. So it, I got the impression that they have been continuing to like hook up but like oh actually we did we did get the old the old indicator of time because because the second baby had arrived right no the second baby was there last time second baby was there last time and I, I, I was sort of like i don't really know how babies look at certain stages of their life but i was like the baby's definitely grown but it's yeah. not like got like shoulder length blonde hair yet so i'm thinking like under 18 months yeah <laughs> It's an interesting way of showing us time, isn't it? Rather than having like a caption on the screen, yeah. you just have to guess a baby's age. <laughs> Why can't they just say like, this is, it's been six months. It's always like, oh, it's been seven hours of the owl since we last saw Rainier. Mm. What does yeah. that mean? <laughs> yeah, we are left to, we are left to kind of piece it together, aren't we? Yeah. I think they've been getting jiggy for a while. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I think that now that the, because it's, it's, look, it's, challenging to they've been trying to arrange this marriage for god knows how long yeah i think it's it's definitely going to have been going you know they can't or or maybe they won't show us them banging every time and that's a creative decision which they're going to have to live by (laughs) i don't know whether it was 
I don't know whether it was the uh, the performance or maybe it was that that we were missing that kind of exposition where their their relationship had grown and clearly she was quite happy with it being a carnal relationship and he wanted and he wanted love which was yeah. uh, which was kind of the motivation for what happened with with Joffrey a bit later on. Let's let's talk about uh, Viserys. Whatever those leeches are supposed to be doing clearly aren't working. He really yeah. needs to get some kind of. I'm, I'm thinking, oh, thinking a bit of Vaseline needs to be used. Mm. There's definitely definitely need some Caniston. He's <laughs> he's not looking good at all, is he? They're not working. The leeches aren't leeching. I, I love how Paddy is playing him. He's just such a weak, sickly naff kind of. <laughs> he's he's a lovely guy, but a king who can't sail a boat or you know can't sit on a boat without getting seasick kind of I, th- I just thought it was a really good indication of just kind of like he's just not he's just not up to the job is he yeah you get the feeling that everyone else is looking at him going oh come on mate yeah all the time he doesn't seem very kingly and in a way it makes him a great king and, and actually that conversation that he has with his new hand where the new hand is you know putting a positive spin rightly i think on on the fact that he has ruled over a time without war or famine or any major incident, but that by its very definition makes him quite boring in the history books. And you can, you can sort of see in him that he knows that he's probably not very kingly mm. and coming, he's, he's coming up against people like his brother who wants the power and, and you feel like he doesn't really want it. He, Loved his wife. He was really sad about what happened. His first wife, I mean, really sad about what happened there. You feel like the sadness of that has never really left him. And he's kind of resigned to the role and and given up a bit. Yeah. But he's not he's not playing the game of thrones. He's just happens to be there. That's very true. What do you think, Chris? What what's 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 going on with him? Yeah, basically exactly what Matt said, that like he is kind of he, he's like doing a good job because he's like keeping the peace but he's kind of sitting there like arm is all black and dead and he's like i want to be remembered for being great and his assistant is like yeah but you're being remembered for not being shit but the thing i thought was really interesting was when they came back from driftmark gets out of the carriage and just like collapses and allison is watching from her tower and she's just like oh fuck i can't believe i've married this guy like he's so pathetic like she just looks so like uninterested in him and like weary of his like unstriking non-kingly presence so i think it, but i think it's really hard because he's not like viserys is not like a really impressive character and he's kind of soft but he's quite complicated and i think paddy considine does a really good job of showing how you know he's just decaying and falling apart and and yeah. that sort of thing i think you touched upon something there this this episode felt like everything was in a funnel all, all people's thoughts about each other were in a funnel and all kind of joining together at the very narrow end. And that, that moment with Alicent on the tower, I think, yes, there was part of her kind of like going, fucking, how did I end it with this? Look at the state of that. But there was also, and I think this was her storyline, which, which I think we'll probably touch upon next, was, was where she was just like, unless I do something, I am fucked. I am yeah. in serious trouble. And actually that is not going to be far away. So when his, his, his nose bled at the, at the wedding, when he collapsed on there and this, that and the other, you know, time is time is not on Viserys' side. And, and Alicent has realised, I think, well, people have literally looked her in the eye and told her that unless she does something, Rhaenyra is going to basically kill all her, her children. 
yeah. the second that the king dies. Mm. And and she's got a justification now because Rhaenyra has lied to her and she knows that. So that that was one great scene with this. And it was a classic kind of like almost a farcical, it was like, it was a bit like noises off style thing where, where there were two conversations. Mm, a bit one man, two governors. Yes, there were two, <laughs> yes, exactly. There were two conversations. Um, although House the Dragon uh, managed to refrain from putting James Corden in an episode. Um, the, uh, yet, yet, <laughs> yet, yet. Um, was, was that classic kind of two conversations happening at the same time, both thinking it's the other conversation where... And I'm right on it. Alison thought that she was getting a confession about Damon yeah. out of Kristen, and actually, Kristen thought that he. Oh shit! I've got to. I've got to fess up about about banging uh, the princess now, which basically had the same ends. It was that Alison realised that, that she had lied? What, what was that? What did she swear on? Rainier swore, Rainier swore on, on her, her late mother's life. Yeah, that she was telling the truth yeah. last episode. So Alison has now realised that actually. Well, hang on a second though. As far as as far as Rainier is concerned, she still told the truth. She wasn't asked about Kristen. She was asked about Damon. So no one's really lied. <laughs> oh, well, no, I think Rhaenyra has lied because she. What happened between her and Damon? It wasn't, you know, full incest, but it was. Uh, it was certainly approaching. It was. It was more than Incesty. just them running off into the night, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I, I, I think that by withholding some of the information, she has lied. She, she very much said it's outrageous that anyone would even intimate that something like that had occurred true and it did occur it was very non-specific though wasn't it it was not but but it was it was quite clear like no everyone's lying your your dad's lying the information the intel he's got is is false and the intel wasn't false everything that no that's everything that the hand shared with the king was correct that's why it's so so good isn't it that it's like "Mm, i didn't really lie but i also did and uh i thought what was really interesting about alison and Kristen though was that if Alison had been a bit more like like straight to the point and in interrogating him, she would have got a different answer. But it's because she was faltering because she hadn't like got yeah. into that mode of like like slaying people and like throwing the gauntlet down a bit. It's because of all of that that Kristen sort of blurted out like, "Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry about what I did with the princess." And she was like, "Wait a minute, I was going to sort of I was trying to ask you about something else." And yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what was so clever about it. As then, as soon as she has that information. We now know, she's, we see her rise into this very imperial, very frightening position where she's sort of like, by the end of the episode, says to him, like, you're on my team now. Like, yeah, Team yeah. Green, you know? Yeah. And like, there's just all this sense of subterfuge and sneaking around. And that's what I loved about this episode. There was a it's lot of... It's a proper of- rom-com trope though, isn't it? It yeah. was proper Ross and Rachel. Just tell them that you fucking love them, for God's <laughs> sake. It was, that, it was that infuriating. Look, just ask the question. You will get a straight answer if you just yeah. say, did you sleep with Damon? Or did, you know, that, that, but then we wouldn't be where we are. Wouldn't be where we, we, where we yeah. are. The the actor who plays the queen consort was so good at doing the kind of like steely, pissed off look, maintaining a face of just like quiet fury. Emily Carey. Without having much to say, really looking at her and and you going, okay, she's changed. This, this, she now has parts of the puzzle that she didn't have before. And she's realizing that she's got a motive, which is protecting herself and her own kids. And she's got all this information which she's stumbled upon. And also she's sort of spared this guy and then saved, actually saved his life by intervening at the end. And now has, she's got a guy on the inside. She's got a little spy. She's been building her network, hasn't she? This episode, since her father left, he's like, yeah, I can't be here to protect you. And she also 
has sort of been hanging out with that. Um, I, my favourite character this episode is uh, oh. Laris oh. Strong. Oh, don't. I've literally, I've just looked at my notes and we're going to have to edit, <laughs> we're going to have to censor this. All I've written, there's one line that just says, shit-stirring little um, <laughs> but the and, need the and that was a, that was in my that was in my guest bio <laughs> but you need someone like that in the show don't you he's just oh but also brilliantly written in as well because you know the seeds when he was he was there at the tour at the the hunt, the hunt was where yeah. we first kind of saw him the stag hunt yeah and we saw his kind of his is his presumably something like polio victim or something he's got, or polio his, his nickname is the club foot because he's got yeah. a deformed foot and he's his family are like warriors foot. it's a bit of a, a bit of an obvious nickname because he literally does have a club foot. yeah um yeah uh, but he so he is the hand of the king's son He's the other yes. son of... Uh, there's, yeah, there's two sons. And the guy that he was next to at the wedding feast is his brother, who I think is like a knight or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, brilliant. Matthew Needham. Breakbones. Uh, Breakbones is the other fella, yeah. who's kind of like quite mountain-esque, I think, quite hound-esque. Yeah. He's the one that kind of like storms in during the fight and uh, just kind of Saharwin Breakbones kind of like just storms in and kind of like just That's starts. a nice strong name. Yeah. Literally, because they're, how, they're yeah. how strong they But yeah, the guy, I thought the, Matthew Needham, who plays... Very strong, just brilliant, almost like Lord Farquhar style, mm. snidey kind of like horrible little shit, but brilliantly done as well. But what yeah. what's his purpose? What uh, that's one thing I couldn't work out. I get that he's is fighting for his life. Is you know, and we know that uh, it's quite an ableist uh, environment in Westeros <laughs> in that in that period of time. They don't they don't have much patience for people with disabilities as as, as Tyrion uh, finds out 172 years later. What's his purpose? What's he what's he doing is he just trying to make his his own uh life better is he trying to secure some kind of role within within the future of the realm because he is he is the little finger isn't he He's yeah kind of- he is yeah i think his thing he said that his thing is that he just listens and often people ignore him and they look past him because he's not particularly striking and he said like, i just you know, there he was, literally stooped over, like hanging out by that weird-looking plant. I thought I was the whole thing. I was like, "You're so weird." Well, he said when he was talking about the bra, the bush, the bush from Bravos. To Bravos, yeah. It should it shouldn't survive here, but it's thriving. Yeah. Now, is he referring to himself? There, I'd, I'd love to. Well, that's if yeah, anyone's that's, listening. Any theories that have, that people have got the listening, get in. Tweet us at Dragoncast underscore Pod or email Dragoncast at DaphNorris because that was I thought that was quite a good little uh, thing. I, I felt like that was a that was. A, a metaphor for her that yeah. she sort of when she started I don't really you know she was the daughter of the king's hand so she was there she was sort of a friend of Renera, but she was like a low level player and it just so happened that, that the hand obviously could see the opportunity in terms of wedding her to the king and and I think that she has seemed really out of place I felt very sorry for her to be sort of mm. thrust into that position that she doesn't want to be in this older this sort of grieving older the man uh, having to father father his children also in the wake of how his wife died it having a massive impact on her relationship with her friend the princess also having a massive impact on her relationship with her dad but actually she is starting to blossom and bloom mm. uh, in, into her own power in a way that no one would have expected you would when you know if, if in episode one if you just said is this character going to become part of this thriving and conniving team you would have thought nah there's nothing to her but she's been a really sort of slow steady paceful 
power grabber. Yeah, she's. She, I mean, and Emily's acting, and like as you as you said, Matt was just incredible in this episode. I mean, this is the last. I'm sure most people know this already, but this episode five is the last time we'll see Millie and Emily as um, Rhaenyra. I didn't you know, know that. This is this is their. That was their goodbye. <laughs> that was their. Oh, that no. was their final episode. Episode six is is almost like a reset. Really jumps forward. Oh, wow. Okay. Chris described it to me as kind of part one and part two. Yeah, and also the two the two Valerians, Lenor and Lena Valerian, get recast as well. Wow. So it's the four of them. Oh my god. Yeah. So I mean, what a way to go though, because you know, as relative unknowns, although Emily's played, I think, and she played like a young Wonder Woman, a young Lara yeah. Croft, and yeah. now a young, you know, she's now a young um, Alison Hightower. They've both been absolutely fantastic, and it's going to be really intriguing to see how, how that, that jump goes. And, you know, because I feel quite invested in them as, as characters now, mm. and it's going to be normally seasons, you know, to take something like the crown, for instance, you have two seasons with, a with, with actors before they, before they regenerate into Olivia Coleman. And whereas this one is like five episodes is not, not any time no. at all. And they've, they've just been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, very impactful. I mean, I'm so intrigued as, as to how they're going to do that jump because it feels like I want to watch the the initial aftermath of that end scene yeah. there. It's going to be a weird sort of jump cut yeah, to the future. Exactly. This, I think this these five episodes in another life could have been a whole season. And I think it's interesting. There's obviously a lot to come that we need to get into uh, like this season, really. So but I wonder if they'll maybe stay around for flashbacks or anything. Like there might be a way well, to keep them around in future seasons. Interesting that because they, they mentioned, I mean, not that we should believe much about the press, but I, I did see a report that maybe the makers are trying to work out a way that they could, they'll return for season mm-hmm. two. I'm not sure how that would work. There's so many things like gaps that could be filled with them and it would be great to have them around. But um, yeah, no, I think yeah. so. I think they've, they've certainly earned their place in, in, in Thrones canon. That's for sure. Hmm. Let's talk about the uh, the marriage between Rhaenyra and um, and Lainor. Corlys got what he wanted. He didn't seem particularly happy with it, though. They were fighting over the the names. It, and am I right in thinking Viserys won that? Really, he was kind of like, well, they'll take the name, but but when they become king or queen, they will be Targaryens, not not um, Valerian. Was that right? That's yeah, right. Which is sort of it's interesting. That whole thing was interesting because I thought it was so quite emasculating for Viserys to have to make the journey there. And even when he got there, they were like, "Oh yeah, we're not coming out to meet you. We're already sitting inside." Like yeah. it was really shady at times, and it just shows that Corlys doesn't. I don't think really respects Viserys that much. But yeah, even though the offer of like, "Would you like to marry the heir to the throne?" I mean, that's like top tier exactly. political that's, machinations. That's AAA. That's that side of the stage when Kanye's playing Glastonbury. That it is. is. It is, exa- is yeah. exactly what it is. And I think like, it's interesting that he doesn't want that because I think he's like, well, your daughter's being the heir is being contested. And you know, we, we've seen before this season that the people of Westeros, they're not the most forward thinking feminists that we are. They're like, mm, what if a man did it instead? That would be much better for everyone. So I think he's kind of feeling like, well, do I want to get into this? Like, I can see how it benefits you because you can't find anyone to marry your daughter. But if, if we marry into your family and everyone contests the rule, like our children, their children could be impacted. And I can see why he's been a bit cool on it. He's got his cool sort of slightly hippie-ish island that he lives on. They're both dressed a little bit funkier than the people at King's Landing. 
So yeah, it was interesting, but Viserys definitely won that, I think, because he got him to agree. White people with dreads are always a bit like that, though, I find. Eve Best gives me Meryl Streep in Mamma Mia when she sort of like bursts through the doors with her like <laughs> loose pants on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. She's great though, isn't she? I think as the queen that never was, Rainey. Yeah, she's really good. She's so Criminally good. underused. So Criminally. underused. Like it really actually does annoy me because she's so... She's kind of one of those things that is missing a little bit, that sort of slightly waspy, like slightly sour with the old put-downs here and there. So, yeah, but I think Viserys made a case for it working and I think it seems, it seems. Uh, I mean, apart from the absolutely awful end to the wedding, <laughs> it seems to have been a success. So we'll see where that goes. I think with that conversation, though, you just can't trust it. I think an agreement between yeah. a man who you know is going to die and someone else holds absolutely no water. And I think in terms of the uh, the ever-changing landscape of uh, the Iron Throne, I can really imagine that, you know, come 10 years down the line, that that decision just won't be overruled. Well, that's why I think he was asking about the succession, because it was kind of like, well, you're not going to be a lo- you're not going to be around very long. As soon as you go, people are going to want to off Rhaenyra. So what happens to the heir then? Because he's already thinking two steps ahead and thinking, well, if they have a son, which would be my grandson, there's a chance that he will just within days become king. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What Matt was saying is that like Viserys is so ill and so shit. People don't even want to make deals with him because they're like, you're not, how long have you even got left to live? Like, why are we going to get into, into this with you? It's true. That's true. He's never going to get life insurance, is he? (laughs) <laughs> no, exactly. What's interesting is that the the queen that should have been is that what they're calling queen her? Never was. Queen that never was. It rhymes. Yeah. It's satisfying. Well, that's better. Was. That's better. The queen Matt. that should have yeah. been is better, guys. The queen that should have been the queen that never was. It's really interesting because she she's not invested in the battle. She's not invested in the in the injustice that her husband is trying to avenge. And it is an injustice that was that's hers to to either forgive or to. Uh, want to avenge but there's something more going on with him that he's using that as his justification oh you should have been Hmm. queen ergo he should have been king consort but she doesn't care i think she can see the benefit of like look at everything around us we're having a great time here do we need this faff and i think it probably is massive faff but also incredibly life-threatening faff for your kids because as the point was made if the um, if Westeros and Seven Kingdoms say not our queen, then what are they going to do yeah, about exactly. that? I think also we haven't seen we never really got the full conversation that that Corlys had with Damon by the camp by the by the fire that time. So we know that there's mm. we know that we know that there's something hatched between the pair of them. We just haven't seen what yet. Well, I have a theory about that. Go on, oh, go on. Because no. didn't you don't eat that. Damon and Lena were like kind of getting a bit flirty at the wedding. So I kind of wondered if when they had that fireside chat, he was like, look, Viserys doesn't want to marry my like child, my very young child. Maybe when she's older, Damon, why don't you marry her? Which is why Damon uh, got rid of his wife in this uh, episode. Okay. Yeah, that could, ah, that could be it. Right. That's, okay. Yeah. Look at him keeping a straight face like he hasn't seen the next episode. Well, Fuck. yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing at clues that are in this episode. Fine. (laughs) Thank Um, you. (laughs) Right. Whilst whilst we're talking, Valarian, if you'd you'd indulge me, I I think it's time for a bit of a a wisdom. This week's wisdom is all about uh, House Valarian. Uh, Here we go. Sit down, bed yourself in. 
House Valarian is an ancient house of old Valaria. Their sigil depicts a silver seahorse on a sea green background. Their house words are uncertain, but are believed to be the old, the true, the brave. Their seat is the island of Driftmark, the largest island in Blackwater Bay. Oh, remember the Battle of Blackwater. Uh, though never dragon riders, the Valarians allied with House Targaryen, and as the Targaryens reigned the skies with their dragons, the Valarians ruled the waves with their ships and became extremely wealthy from passing sea trade. These close ties resulted in many marriages. Valena Valarian married Arian Targaryen, the Lord of Dragonstone, with whom she had three children, Visenya, Rhaenys, and a certain Lord Aegon Targaryen, perhaps better known as Aegon the Conqueror. During the conquest, it was the Valarian ships that married Aegon's soldiers across Blackwater Bay, and House Valarian held great influence during their early reign of the Targaryen kings. Now, when Lord Corlys Valarian, also known as the Sea Snake, made his famed voyages across the seas, he accumulated so much wealth that House Valarian became the richest house in the realm, and he the wealthiest man in the Seven Kingdoms. Corlys would wed Princess Rhaenys Targaryen, and she gave birth to two children by him, Lena and Lainor, confusingly named. Why can't they just... What's wrong with, what's wrong with like, Tom and Janet? <laughs> When Rhaenys' claim to the throne was cast aside at the Great Council in favour of her cousin Viserys Targaryen, the relationship between the two great houses became strained. When King Viserys' first wife, Queen Aemer Arryn, died, 12-year-old Lena Valerian was suggested as a new bride, but she too was cast aside in favour of Alicent Hightower, adding further to these tensions. In an effort to make amends for this perceived slight, King Viserys proposed a match between his eldest daughter and named heir Rhaenyra Targaryen and Lord Corlys' son, Lainor. Now, with this new union, the bonds between Targaryen and Valarian appear to be secured for now, but as we all know in Westeros, allegiances can ebb and flow as swiftly as the tides. There you go, little uh, little backstory into House Valarian for you. We'll be back right after this break, where we get down and dirty into that massive wedding buffet. <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to Dragoncast, uh, home of House of the Dragon. I'm here. It's me, Jamie East, along with Chris Mandel and Matt Edmondson. Uh, should we talk about the wedding? I want to know how much, first of all, a little sidebar, Viserys hasn't lost his appetite, has he? He was, <laughs> I think he was on about his fifth course of, I'm going to say like a quail. Mm. He was just like mashing his way through mm, a quail. He was going to town on that he leg, was, wasn't he? He was Ooh, absolutely ploughing his it. way through it. What is it? Feed a cold, starve a fever. So he, he must have a, it's more of a cold <laughs> that he's got. <laughs> And what a cold. <laughs> what a cold. Really bad one. Really bad cold. Uh, he might want to take a PCR, I'm thinking. That, is, you know, yeah. that, that might, The symptoms might be very similar, but the, the, the result very different. Yeah. I really enjoyed, we, we only saw like glimpses of two dragons today as well in this, in this episode. I'm, I've seen a lot of people going, where are the rest of the dragons? I've, I've got a feeling, uh, they're going to come. We're going to take a look at the teaser trailer for next week's episode. I, I suspect there's more dragons on the way, but we saw 
uh, procession, uh, we saw the the Valerians enter, and then Damon's brilliant kind of like last minute. There's always one of them at a wedding, isn't there? We have to go and find a chair. It's just very always one of those. So obviously didn't RSVP. He didn't feel the need to RSVP though, no, did he? He no. was just kind of like just thought, I'll rock up, I'll just plonk in it. Any any very inconsiderate. <laughs> very inconsiderate. Well, I did think had he been invited because there was no chair obvious place for him. But they can't turn him away. And it feels like every time he shows up, it is in an uninvited way. And then he gets banished. Right, go, you're gone now. Forever yeah. you're gone. And then he'll come back again. And that's another sort of sign of weakness of the king, which is he's told him a million times, Jojo style, get out, leave right now. And he just keeps coming back and the king does nothing about it does i mean, the last time we i think the, wasn't the last time that they were together was when he was he kicked the shit out of him on the yeah. floor of that very room yeah yeah mm. my question was watching that episode where do they keep the spare chairs in that giant it castle? was very close to hand wasn't they it they have like a like, utility cupboard with a mop in it that they're like oh, get well, like in a church hall yeah yeah like, <laughs> like we like we had kids parties in the church hall yeah yeah where the all the spare kitchen roll is and all that sort of thing <laughs> There's got to be, hasn't there? Yeah. I, I enjoyed the seething uh, fury of of, of his uh, ex-wife's cousin. I think it was. Yes. I missed. I didn't get his name. Not that I don't. I don't suppose it really matters. Actually, I guess it. I think it will begin with R. Knowing that family, they love their. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> Richard, Roy, Gerald. Gerald. Producer Connor says it's Gerald. <laughs> oh, I Gerald! All the names, all the names in Westeros. We've we've got all these names. Jason Lannister. Gerald. So funny. Jason. Very they just throw them in there. <laughs> a yeah. Jason yeah. and a Gerald. But Alice isn't nowhere to be seen. So this is post chat with um where she where she learns of the tea. Oh, I do hope I do hope she's okay. That brilliant kind of Lanor speech where it's just like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad I'm wrong. Uh, you mean Laris? Mm. Laris the Laris Strong. Laris. Yeah. Yeah. It was he's such a such a little shit stirrer, isn't he? Just going, oh, she had a lot of tea and you know, ooh, she must be really unwell. Hint hint. <laughs> Mm. What, why was she why was she hanging back do we know do we do you think she was just twisting the knife a bit just again uh showing like matt said showing weakness in viserys by by not not bowing to him my reading of it was that she was trying to embarrass uh firstly embarrass viserys by not being there at the right time you know a lot of the time as a wife in westeros you just have to turn up and look nice and she sort of delayed that because people were asking about her but the big thing was when she arrived in green because what Laris said at the banquet was when house hightower declares war the beacon that is what their name is derived from goes green and she changed out of she's been wearing black and uh, red like targaryen colors ever since she got married bit of blue every now and then and today she wore green for the first time everyone's eyes were on her and i think it was a real clear signal like i'm a hightower and i'm not gonna stand by and let Rhaenyra take the throne. It was a declaration of war via wow. fabulous frock. See, I, my mind had gone by that point because my first thing was, she looks like Princess Fiona. Yeah. Uh, but, so thanks for that. <laughs> it's <very> Shrek. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, I missed that on my first watch, but when I watched it uh, this morning, it, it kind of locked into place, definitely. The whole thing felt like a power play, even without all of those incredible details. And Chris, I love that you know all of that stuff because it feels like it it all makes sense. But it just felt like um, someone stepping out of the shadows and sort of owning their own presence a bit. I think being late, being fashionably late, which she was both in terms of what she was wearing and what time she got there, 
is uh, that's as cool back in Westeros as it is now, right? And and having a moment where all eyes are on you. And actually, it's a trick that Damon yeah. has pulled a couple of times, which is rock up late, everyone looks at you, you become the star of the show suddenly, which he did. And then she trumped that. Uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it feels like a real power move. But also, I think she is fuming with that family. I think she's fuming at her husband for his general kingly ineptitude. The fact that he got rid of her father, the fact that she's been lied to by Renera, the fact that it's been very clearly stated that if Renera succeeds the throne, she's at risk and her kids are at risk. And she's just yeah, yeah. pissed off. I think she's she's embarrassed that, that it's her fault that her father got banished as well. As as yeah. Otto told her mm. in that brief scene between the pair of them, he was just yeah. like, you fucking did this. Mm. And there's there's nothing worse than small talk at a family dinner table with people yeah. you don't like. Are oh, you all right, Matt? Blink twice, Matt. <laughs> Blink twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Send help, Jamie. Um, so... I think what a wonderful way to avoid all of that. Turn up at the last minute and also, yeah. you know, make a bit of a make a bit of a scene. And then, you know, Viserys kind of cucked up his speech because Alison turned up late. He couldn't even remember where he was. And then there was so the, I love the dancing. Where do they right? You know, you want to know where they keep the chairs. I want to know when they learn these these yeah. hugely elaborate. This is no weekend TikTok dance. This this was like proper, there were stories being told there. When Lainor and Rhaenyra did their first dance, they did this kind of like flappy mo- Was that Dance of the Dragons? Was that-, was that I wondered that if it was some sort of, like, it just reminded me of like those nature documentaries where the birds will sort of like pull, pull the these ridiculous, yeah, sort of dancing around each other. But obviously when we get to Game of Thrones, they're not dancing like that anymore. It's obviously gone out of fashion by that point, but- yeah, yeah, Back yeah. in the day, everyone was doing the funky dragon or whatever it is. But exactly. yeah, I just they. Well, <laughs> well, the thing I loved was when that um, that Royce character started having a go at Damon. He was like, you know, that wasn't an accident. You killed my cousin. And there's this like coordinated flash mob behind them doing like a hop and a jump. <laughs> so, <laughs> who teaches them this? Slide <laughs> to the left. It did. A, there was a great. I don't know. It felt like a bit of a nod to Mad Men. Uh, that 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 scene with um, with Damon and and yeah. uh, the his cousin. There's one of my favourite ever scenes on television ever was where uh, Donald bit of a sidebar where Donald Draper was in the lift with that snotty little twat who was who was really oh, good yeah. at doing adverts and he was like blah 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 and, and Don Draper just turned around and went I don't think of you at all yeah and just like walked on it was just like an amazing kind of burn and then that was the same with like with Damon his first line in the whole episode was who are you. Yeah, it was Sorry, just, it's such, it's such a great, great throwback. The scene in the wedding, you know, there was a sense when, as soon as the Mont, as soon as we saw, like, started getting fast cutaways of uh, Viserys kind of attacking his quail, cut to someone dancing, cut to Damon kind of like looking through the crowd from afar, you knew that shit was about to go down and the music was fantastic. The score when Alison walked down was just brilliant. I don't know if that was some kind of like high tower uh, motif that we're going to see kind of like dotted through throughout, but in true throne style, you knew that something horrible was going to happen. You just didn't know where it was going to come from. And it was a brilliantly directed episode where it could have come from any one of about 
five different places at that point. The king could have died. Mm. Damon could have kissed Rhaenyra on the dance floor. Kristen could have obviously did what he went on and did. Although that was the most surprising one. It was like, what the hell has Sir Joffrey done to you, mate? He was just saying that we should kind of like stick together. He was he was not the guy that he should have killed, right? That yeah. that felt just like a bit of a weird. Well, I I, I was I don't know. I think he's um. We we know there's one thing that we know about Kristen is that he's almost too loyal, right? He's too noble and uh, he's too willing to sacrifice himself. You know, the very first thing he asks for when th- th- there's no sense of self-preservation whatsoever about him. You know, when the queen consort says to him, there's that misunderstanding over, you know, she thinks it's been, she's asking about Damon and, and he immediately spills the beans um, and then asks that she kills him. Yeah. And she doesn't. It's like, chill out, mate, chill out. We get it. And then the next thing that happens is I think he's feeling two things. One is intense jealousy and maybe like he doesn't want anyone else to know for that reason that he's the side piece. And the other thing is intense protectiveness. Like his job, his thing that he's going to die over is protecting uh, Renera. And this man has a piece of information that could cause huge Mm. problems for her. And so the, it's it's like those two bits of information of like oh you've just come and rubbed in my face that this thing's happening and also you know this piece of information that if it were to get out could jeopardize the life of this person i'm i'm there to protect those two things when combined could like a coke (laughs) and a mentos have a explosive reaction i thought they'd be more i i thought there would be a bit more of like a yeah like a love hexagon or something between all these people that know who's sleeping with everyone I thought that would play out for a while and it's interesting that instead Kristen who I think is maybe not playing the Game of Thrones necessarily was like I think I'll just smash that guy's head in instead that's probably the best way to play this and everyone at the wedding must be like sorry I didn't even know you knew that man why have you just smashed his head in yeah I thought there'd be a bit of scheming there but it's very very sort of I mean it's a crime of passion yeah but it sort of looks like they were sleeping together do you not think I think gossips, the, the tongues will be wagging after that wedding because I just thought it looked quite passionate for two people that didn't really know each other. Well, Kristen then went off to try and uh, yeah. end his own life, didn't he? It had all the, I thought that scene, those few minutes reminded us really, really quickly. It was like, ah, fucking, this is why I love Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because it was just the not knowing, it was knowing that something really fucking bad's going to happen and it could happen to anyone. There was obviously elements of Red Wedding, but... Also, I thought great shout out to it was the, the Viper in the um, the mountain yeah. uh, as well. Just the the actual goriness of the of the fight scene. There was almost a moment where he looked like he was going to do the thumbs in the eyeball trick, but it was just great bit of uh, prosthetics and 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 special effects there. They do love a, a mashed in face, don't they? On in, in Westeros, <laughs> what was the did they, what was the significance of the? And this is probably very a, a very simple metaphor that's just passed me by. Which was the very last scene in the um, in the episode of the rat the rat eating the drinking the blood? Did anyone else oh, have know. a theory on what that was meant to meant to mean? Because every there's not a not a shot is wasted. It must. I must just thought it was maybe something. just about the whole the, the whole decay of the ceremony, and the, it was just so. Because I don't know all the food. They, so they they married. They literally just married them straight away. They were like, actually, fuck all this. We've just got to get this done. Yeah, I think they because were the like, food was still on the ta- on the plates. Wasn't well, it? I was so, a bit. Like, it's not as if they have to give the mm. venue back. Like they live there. Like why can't they just do it tomorrow? But yeah, probably just like look, we need to just get this done. 
and move Because Viserys on. said there was going to be seven days of feasting and tourneys. Yeah. And then the wedding. Yeah, it, then, was, it and, wasn't even the wedding, was it? It was the feast of the ceremony. And then they were like, oh my God, this is already a disaster. Let's just get the ideas done. done. But I'm not sure about the rat. I, I took the rat to, to be sort of symbolic of how little oh. it matters, how little yeah. everything matters, that this, this brutal thing's happened. But as far as that rat's concerned, it's just, it's food. just yeah. dinner. It's just, just a yeah. bit of food there on the floor. But I think the idea of the, the degeneration is quite a, quite a nice bit of symbolism as well. Like it's, it's all gone to shit a bit. It really has. I mean, I guess that's, that's, that was the whole point. As we said, it kind of feels like very much like this is the end of part one of season one. And, mm. and, and which actually will segue nicely to uh, let's have a look at the teaser trailer now and see what part two uh, has in store for us. We should address the latest developments in the Stepstones, my lords. Where, I wonder, is our Prince Damon? It was a decade ago, and he has since left the region undefended. We have left it undefended. My queen? What are children but a weakness? Through them, you imagine you will persist forever. You will be our king. We are the blood of old Valeria. But for them, you surrender what you should not. Her father, compromised by the acts of her son. To have one child like that is a mistake. To have three is an insult. People have eyes. The consequences of an allegation like the one you twired would be dire. Dracardis! Wow. Oh, it's good. It feels like, it feels like we've, we've been away for a year, well, probably about 10 actually, but that feels like season two kind of stuff. I don't even know where to begin. Viserys still with us, although still alive. Wayne Rooney needs to give him uh, the business card of his hair weave specialist. <laughs> um, he is looking pretty grim. Yeah. Um, I can't believe he survived 10 years, 10 more years. Uh, in his current state. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's clinging on. The leech is clearly better than we originally gave gave credence to. Yeah. All new cast. Well, all, all new cast. So new Alicent, new Rhaenyra. And Laenor and Lena. Loads of kids. Well, I'm not even going to try and name all of them now, but we'll come on to Baby Boris. Doesn't look like Baby Boris anymore. He's, uh, he's, he's lost the milk fat. Yeah. Um, They've all got loads of kids, haven't they? It looks that I saw like about nine children. Yeah, because yeah. like there's loads going on. Loads going on. And then... The bit that I kind of hooked into was yet again, we're discussing parentage and secret shaggings going on there. We saw, I think that was the Saharwin break bones beating up Sir Kristen Cole in in almost a mirror of of what Kristen did to to Joffrey in in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. We saw some Dracarys action. We saw lots of dragons. Wow. What do we think? It just looks amazing. It's kind of, the, it's interesting, isn't it? Because as you were saying, Jamie, it's that what they're talking about is kind of the same thing they've been, the same conversation they've been having all season. But yeah, just that sense that nothing's really changed, but there are now loads of children running around. They are going to pay the price of any of these falling outs over who rules. But saw loads of dragons, saw a little sort of baby dragon. Maybe they're in the dragon pit. I, I All season, I've been saying like, I just want to know a bit more about how it works with the dragons because... 
it's, they, people just flying to the wedding on them in uh, episode five. And I'm like, where, where where's they, the car park? Where do you put where's them? the valet? Yeah. yeah. Where, where, who cleans up the shit? Like, yeah. what, who's what, feeding what, them? How does this work? And do you just, mm. do you just choose one? Are you saying we want to see, you know, like in Jurassic Park where Sam Neill hugs that yeah. massive pile of, to- <laughs> of Triceratops shit? We need, okay, what, what does I a dragon shit look like? Two things, two spin-offs. I want one spin-off, which is just the people that, like the vets that look after the dragons, like Animal <laughs> Hospital. The second yeah, one yeah. I want is a, yeah. a spin-off that is the wedding planner in Westeros that every episode... It ends in like five people dying, and him, you know. him, t- him, him, still trying to submit an invoice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the food got eaten by rats. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, that is an SNL sketch <laughs> waiting to happen. How do I get blood off the floor? <laughs> We need Martin's right. Here's our pitch. Yeah, SNL, Martin Short as the yeah. wedding planner, desperately trying yeah. to work out how to get paid still. And every episode, he's like, that one did end in disaster, but yeah. I'm confident the next one will this be a is, lot better. This is yeah. the one. This is the exactly. one. We, we shall call it the Red Wedding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it looks great. And I think Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook, who are the new Rhaenyra and Alison, look incredible. They look exact. They look like grown-up versions of Millie and Emily. The casting is so yeah. so on point. So good. Matt, what were your takeaways from that? Just the, and it's a sort of classic rug pull of the Game of Thrones universe, isn't it? That you kind of feel like you understand all of the pieces on the chessboard. And actually it feels now that they're going to go, well, forget everything. We, we, we know we've set it up that Viserys is probably going to die. You feel at the end of that episode that he's going to die and we've got a new... A queen and new king consort were sort of ready for the next wave and actually to jump 10 years and all yeah. of that tension's yeah. been unresolved, that he's still there and that there's loads of new kids now. Do you think, okay, I have no idea what the, the plan for succession here is at all. And I think, I think it's great. It just keeps you on your toes. And, you know, if you think about the end of the first season of Game of Thrones, where you've had all this introduction to all of the, all this family and this, this character, the patriarch of this family. And then it's like, oh, great. We're just going to yeah. r- pull that rug away. I feel like it's exactly the same thing. And that actually they've, they've indulged in the slow burn of these first six to go, let's get you really understanding, really caring about the complexities of these relationships. And now we're going to just do an about turn and put you into a new environment where all of that stuff is still true. But um, there's yeah. loads more to learn. It isn't as simple as you thought it might be. Never has so much rested on the colour of people's hair, ever. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like... Also was going to say, like, I think the first few episodes of this show, people have said, you know, it's quite small scale, but you can see in that trailer, there's 15 more characters, basically, that we've got the sort of population of Game of Thrones, actually. Like, there's a lot of people. And what that episode five was so good at was having lots of people ricocheting off each other in the same spaces. And I already got that sense with this next episode that like, oh, there's way more people and way more at stake because they're all going to have different kind of things going on. And um, it looks amazing. I can't believe we're halfway through the season already, though. I know. And and also one thing which we saw maybe a, a second and a half of, which may prove a point that you mentioned earlier, uh, Chris, was that we saw... We saw Damon with, I'm going to say, Lena yeah. uh, Valerian been, as an as an adult. Yeah. So yeah. it looks like you were right. That would that could have been that could have been the plan all along. Maybe Damon is now a happily married man, just looking to kind of looking for an allotment somewhere. I just want to know where that where that allegiance is as it relates to Rhaenyra or Alison. I guess they must be Team Rhaenyra, but like, yeah. Lots of dragons in this episode. Yeah. Does it make him a double uncle of Rhaenyra? <laughs> Triple. He's an uncle on two wow. different That's disgraceful. Timelines. 
Two different threads. Their family tree is a circle, basically. <laughs> mm, no wonder they just... I mean, it just must be easier just to sleep with each other. It's just, you may as well. It's the only part of the puzzle missing. Yeah. <laughs> I think they literally think, though, that... I think they're very, no, like, everyone else who's not a Targaryen is, like, an idiot. Did you know how, like, even all the other bits of the kingdom, they're just a bit like, oh, you're, like, sheep shaggers and, like, you don't have any dragons. Like, what use are you? Like, yeah. It's a bit like the, the rivalry between Derby and Nottingham. Yeah. So yeah. get out there, guys. Get out there and stop swiping. There's loads of loads of interesting people out there. Get out of London. Oh. Get out of the big city. But listen, uh, <laughs> you certainly picked a good episode to come on uh, and talk to us about, Matt. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I loved we, it. We don't normally do plugs, but Matt, Matt gave me this the other day. I bumped into him on Friday and, or Thursday, whenever it was, and Noggin, the award-winning game, I believe. <laughs> the award-winning Noggin. Yeah, so, I, so my side job, if you like Game of Thrones, maybe you're like game of games uh yeah i invent board games i run a board games company and noggin's one of our games it won an award i won uh games inventor of the year for noggin which is very exciting because it is a great game he's not not played it but when you get around to playing it jamie i know you're going to message me you're going to say that's the best one ever and then just out this week i can i can do a plug myself hang on I've got a new game out called Canon, <laughs> oh, um, which is the game of one star reviews. So it's it's ridiculous real world reviews of like people, places, things. You know, someone complained they went on holiday and said the beach was too sandy <laughs> and left a one star review. And so in Karen, you have to oh become a Karen God. and seek your own fake reviews in amongst the maddest ones in the, in, in the real is... world and convince people you're playing with to uh... ingenious. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chris. And I think it's ingenious that you've, you're have you getting this side hustle like proper going. You know, now that those grey hairs are starting to come through, must be a little, you must be a bit like Rhaenyra in the, well, in, in the Radio 1, in the Radio 1 boardroom. Yeah, I'm slowly decaying. <laughs> it's the Viserys of Radio 1. Yeah. all over my body. Just tell Greg James to stop dyeing yeah. his hair for Christ's sake. I, I, Man up. I put the leeches on and uh, yeah, I, I sort of pray that I'll get another who's, 10 who's, years. So yeah, now Scott, now Scott Mills is being who's, 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 who is the oldest now that Scott's gone? That's an interesting, my Pete Tong's still going. Pete Tong's still there. The oldest person at Radio 1, I believe, is Annie Nightingale. Of course. Who is one of, he was the, the first female DJ on Radio 1 and she still does a show and is, is thriving is and has her finger on the pulse of dance music and, and new music in a way that, that I don't. Age is but a number. Exactly. Yeah. So I think she's she's probably flying that flag. Brilliant. Matt, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. Always a pleasure to chat to you. And uh, thank you for talking so passionately about uh, about that. Thanks, guys. Loved it. Thank you. Listen, if any of you got any thoughts about the episode that you just watched or the teaser trailer, do get in touch with us uh, at dragoncast underscore pod or email dragoncast at daftdarris.com or leave a comment in the YouTube chat room comment section uh chris i think it's just you and i next week yeah. and we are gonna get deep into episode six we're also going to be recast for the occasion aren't we we're gonna be yeah, played exactly. by older yeah. actors to signify the jump on the show <laughs> i'm gonna be played by rylan brian yeah. cox is playing <laughs> jamie <laughs> i'm being played by oh. ian mckellen next week um which... perfect perfect <laughs> Uh, until then thank you so much for listening uh, or watching Matt thank you so much Chris thank you so much thank you uh, Dracarys don't forget House of the Dragon airs exclusively on Sky Atlantic at 2am every Monday then repeats that same evening at 10 you can also get it on demand via now 
If you'd like to get involved in the podcast, just head over to Twitter at DragonCast underscore pod or email DragonCast at DaftDoris.com and leave us your Easter eggs, predictions and thoughts on the show. You can also watch this episode over on our YouTube channel. Just search for DragonCast Jamie East. Any support, whether it's a follow, a share, a mention to your friend on the bus or a tattoo on your backside is very much appreciated. DragonCast is hosted by me, Jamie East, along with Chris Mandel, produced by Connor Driscoll, edited by Buddy Peace, and is a Daft Doris production. Dracarys.